0: This is In Focus from Control Risks, the global specialist risk consultancy. Each episode of In Focus brings you in-depth analysis and perspective from a different corner of our global network of experts.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Sean Duffy, Associate Director at Control Risks, and I lead our business intelligence and political risk teams in Southern Africa. Today, we're going to talk about our key takeaways from the investing in African mining in Daba, which Control Risks attended in Cape Town, South Africa in early February, as well as what we expect to see at the upcoming PDAC convention in Toronto, Canada, which starts on the 5th of March. We have a great panel of Control Risks senior leadership with us today, some of whom were at mining in DABA, and some of whom will be attending PDAC. Let's start with Leon Gerber, an associate director based in South Africa, and Louise Margolin, an associate director based in France, and who attended this year her sixth Indaba on their views of the recent event. Leon and Louise, looking back at our experience at mining Indaba, which, must say, is the largest mining conference in Africa, and this year was reported to be the most attended in the event's history, what were the key themes we saw this year?
0: Thank you, Sean. I think, firstly, there was much more of a focus on ESG. And though this has been a running theme in the general discourse over the last couple of years, what really struck me was the efforts by all of the different stakeholders involved to try and really delineate what the practical implementations of ESG is actually going to look like. So, in other words, we are starting to move away from just merely recognizing the term as being a corporate buzzword to really a wholesale integration into corporate strategies. The second point that also jumped out at me was uh, a definite focus on securing supply of so-called critical minerals. So in other words, minerals such as copper, lithium, uh, nickel, cobalt, rare earths and the likes that are really essential for clean energy technologies. And really together with that, an appetite by the different mining companies to go where these resources are located. Louise?
2: Thank you, Leon. Thank you, Sean. I can only agree with uh, Leon. Clearly, ESG was a big focus, and then that's true. Critical minerals were the new biggest focus. I think that, yeah, last year we were talking a lot about battery metals, but this year it was critical minerals. There was a lot of interest for exploration projects in these minerals, especially even in new frontier markets, I would say like uh, cobalt outside of the DRC or even lithium in Angola, for example. And that's true that should some foreign stakeholders came to Indaba mostly to try and source and secure their uh, supply of uh, critical minerals as a European person based in France. I said I would say that even French representatives of the government were here. So that was interesting. And then continuing on ESG, maybe there was a lot more um, interest in the ties between mining and energy and the fact that uh, mining can be the solution to the energy transition in a greener economy, but also a lot of talks about uh, the problems linked to power supply for mining projects and how we can solution that.
1: And Leon, going back to you, were there specific countries that you saw who really seemed to push themselves as an investment destination for mining compared to previous years in Indaba?
0: Thank you, Sean. Yes. um, Well, the usual players certainly try to put their best feet forward. Zambia tried to continue its charming offensive uh, from last year and overall was very well received. Uh, South Africa certainly tried to present a united front in terms of what we can only describe as a myriad of challenges that that particular jurisdiction faces. But for me personally, Namibia stood out. Namibia is, of course, no stranger to mining per se, but I definitely noticed a concerted effort by the delegation to push the message that steps are being put in place to really foster the country as an investment locale. And of course, we are talking about initiatives such as removing discretion from the legal frameworks, uh, encouraging exploration, and of course, also focusing on green hydrogen. So the delegation really attempted to send this message that we are open for business as a jurisdiction.
1: And Louise, we've already spoken, both you and Leon spoke about the importance of ESG that we saw at, at the event. Do you think that the influence of ESG on mining companies is something that will continue into the future? And do you think its influence and importance is going to grow as well?
2: Yes, I think it does. Yeah, it's been a few years that people talk about ESG, but it's still something really big. And even if at this specific conference, uh, that's true. That in the past year there were geopolitical tensions and realities that ESG was not the only topic of attention. But it's becoming more and more of a thing for mining companies. I mean, all of mining companies are conscious that one of the basics for a mining project to be developed is to obtain a social license to operate with surrounding communities and authorities. And this also comes through respecting ESG standards, respecting yeah, the environment where people live in, the, their, their way of living and their means of subsistence. And a lot of big mining groups have set net zero ambitions uh, that they will need to respect. So ESG is becoming more real for them. And a lot of government, but also people are asking for more attention to be given to work condition, to labor rights, but also to mining companies for them to take a real role in the development of countries. And I think that what we saw at Indaba this year is that some major projects on the continent are integrating this component uh, of the development uh, on all along their project, even of, on transport routes. For example, the Guinean Iron Ore Project of Simandu, they are building a very long railway line all across the country, and they want to have some local agri-business project to be developed all along the way. So I think that it shows that, yeah, ESG is still something very big and it will continue to grow.
1: Great. I want to bring in Daniel Linsker here. He's a partner based in Mexico City who will be attending PDAC. Now, Daniel, looking ahead to PDAC, is that same focus and importance on ESG, is that the same in in the Americas as
3: it is in Africa? Hi, John. Thanks. For sure. And I think if you look at at the last couple of PDACs, ESG has been around for a while. It's obviously one of the premier mining conferences where there's a big focus on on financing. So I think one of the one of the topics that we've seen quite consistently in PDAC is basically what is the requirement from mining companies from the financing sector, right? So due diligence, what they need to see in terms of action, um, which normally just in case goes way beyond ratings and some of the metrics that are commonly used to to assess ESG performance. So I think what we can expect in PDAC is a lot more select so like deeper conversations about the requirements that will be placed on mining companies on potential, by potential financiers of projects in terms of, again, what they need to see for diligence. And I think there's, there's always a second element of, of the ESG debate in wider terms, which is focusing obviously on the, on the practicality, similar to what Luis was saying. I think for a lot of mining companies, um, the conversation is moving on on, again, how do we do better community engagement? How how do we uh, show or put in place measures to protect human rights, to look at issues that have been very, very um, distant in mining around diversity and inclusion, looking at security and and human rights. I think uh, the ESG debate will certainly be prominent in PDAC as it has been over the last couple of years. And again, I think those two elements, financing side uh, and the practicality side, the operational side will be probably at at the front of the conversation. Great. Thanks, Daniel.
1: Next, I want to bring in Ian Saperco, who is an Associate Director based in Toronto, where PDAC will be held and he'll also be attending the conference and the events. Uh, Ian, taking a a much longer view of the mining sector and, and a very, I guess, a more broad view Where do you think the major risks and opportunities for mining companies are lying today?
4: Thanks, Sean. One point that may be new to the mining industry is, is geopolitics, global conflict and trade tensions, resource nationalism. Uh, they've all pushed geopolitics higher up the risk register for for many companies, uh, requiring miners to do something they're not in the habit of doing. And that's developing a, a deeper understanding of the impact of these issues, global geopolitical issues on strategy. Uh, the expectation in, in 2023 is that the COVID-19 hangover and, and global economic slowdown, uh, the Russia-Ukraine crisis and, and risks to, to mainland Chinese, uh, the mainland Chinese economy are going to continue to stoke volatility in, in metal prices. Uh, it's the biggest inflationary environment in, in however long. Uh, questions about consumer trade and, and which way the market is going or unanswered uh, and essentially unanswerable at this point. Um, It's also driving up production costs. So raw material, uh, energy and labor costs are going up, squeezing profitability. That's at a global macro level. uh, And at the state level, you've seen high inflation fueling labor strikes around the world. And you can continue to expect to see workers demanding pay increases to meet rising costs of living, particularly in countries with with more vocal opposition to mine activities. I think Latin America, particularly Peru and, and Chile. Uh, And those risks are are very real for mining companies in these jurisdictions, right? Um, Social instability can scare off investors and make it more difficult to secure funding for new projects. Uh, it can pose material risks to employees and infrastructure. You may need to uh, to evacuate personnel or shut down operations temporarily. Uh, that disrupts production uh, and leads to significant financial losses. So obviously a difficult risk to mitigate uh, many factors beyond the control of, of mining and metal companies. Uh, from our perspective, the greatest opportunity for proactive engagement here lie in addressing the social concerns associated with activities before they reach a level where they're hurting profitability. Uh, so calling back to, to Daniel's point, essentially operationalizing the the S in ESG to prevent disruptions at site, uh, and then embedding geopolitical risk within broader strategic planning with clear ownership of that risk within within the organization. Um, And then on on the opportunity side, one one point I'll I'll make quickly, uh, again, echoing Danny, is that if I can loop back to ESG, the issue sets there are evolving, uh, and investor-driven pressure is is growing to improve reporting and transparency. Uh, And so miners that can articulate their approach through transparent outcome-based measurements are going to be able to get an edge on competitors in many ways, from accessing capital to securing license to operate and attracting talent.
1: And Louise, focusing uh, the same question on Africa, where are the risks and opportunities for mining companies within Africa? And is it very similar to what Ian was saying uh, in regards to what is happening more in the Americas?
2: Thanks, Joan. There are a lot of similarities with what Ian said. I mean, that's true that geopolitical tensions became uh become a real risks even if we are a bit away from covid now there are a lot of supply chain disruptions and there are still a lot of risk linked to supply chain re- disruptions and during covid time that's true that uh, the focus was on pure logistical issues like lockdown or port congestion but now people seem to take a broader look and a more global scale view on a the risk of supply chain disruptions. They are referring to to geopolitical tensions, of course, with Russia, between the US and China, with the war in Ukraine, but they are also talking about uh, regional tensions within Africa, uh, for example, between Sahelian and ECOWAS countries, but also the DRC Rwanda tensions can also uh, induce and create some problems with sourcing some minerals. Then on a more micro Level, I would say that for all miners in Africa, there are still big risks, which are first security in Sahelian countries, especially Burkina Faso uh, and Mali. But yeah, a lot of companies are reconsidering their project there. Uh, There are no more expats for a lot of companies in this country, and uh, it's difficult for companies to invest. And as uh, Ian said, uh, of course, then social license to operate and ESG are real risks for companies as well as prices of the commodity that is very volatile. But then everything else, inflation and the price of uh, all entrance inputs and equipment that you bring into the mine is can be a real risk for uh, mining companies. Linking all this, I would say that for mining companies, a big risk is uncertainty. But then if I want to, yeah, to also give a more optimistic look and take a look at opportunities in the mining sector in Africa there were a lot of talks uh, about investing in critical minerals and I think that even those geopolitical tensions that we spoke about earlier reassess the importance of Africa within the mining uh, global situation and so I think that yeah investment in the critical minerals are something to see uh, as an opportunity for Africa.
1: Thanks Louise going back to, to Daniel and Ian Based on Leon and Louise's comments at the beginning regarding what they saw mining in Dava, do you think we can expect to see similar themes at PDAC this year?
3: I, I think for sure. I think some of these things obviously reflect the, the global nature of, of, of the mining industry and uh, to some extent where everyone's looking for potential opportunities. I think I, I mean, I'll, I'll echo um, the comments that Ian and Louise made about geopolitics because I think when it comes to mining in the Americas, you're going to see... A lot of emphasis, precisely, on um, reorganizing some of the supply chains. So one common theme that pops up in, in the Americas quite frequently is this whole point about nearshoring and how, uh, particularly for the U.S. strategic agenda, this decoupling from China, which obviously entails strategic minerals and energy transition minerals, um, is quite relevant. So that's, I mean, that's been backed up by the interest that we've seen for example, in lithium mining in places like Argentina, uh, the North of Chile, Bolivia, uh, backed by uh, new trends in, in copper exploration in, in jurisdictions like Colombia, even Mexico. is getting in on, on the act a little bit. So I think some of those same thing, things will apply with a particular again emphasis on, on the geopolitics of the mineral supply chain and exposure to some critical minerals. I think this is where you're gonna see a lot of this um, attention. And again, you'll have, A lot of the countries trying to at least position themselves to attract investment in Latin America in particular might be a little bit different in the sense that you have uh, a kind of wave of populism and a lot of, uh, let's say, what you consider anti-mining stances by a lot of the governments in the region. But at the end of the day... uh, A lot of the opportunities will actually lie in those fault lines uh, where the arbitrage between the noise that is generated by politics and the reality of of doing mining in some jurisdictions will be very interesting for the mining companies. Yeah, and to that I'd
4: uh, I would I would add that yes one, one point that comes up again and again is is the upside to to capex on on green commodities um, so Chile and Peru with lithium and copper Australia is a is a key producer of many strategic minerals stand to do well out of this environment There's also a great opportunity for juniors uh, or single asset producers in gold. Um, because if you look at the seniors outside of the top three, you're getting into a, a mine life cliff again. So not a lot of money is being spent on, on development, exploration, uh, identifying large-scale projects in, in good jurisdictions. They've all cut their, their greenfield exploration programs. And the idea was that they're, they're outsourcing through strategic investments to juniors, uh, and they would buy them. Uh, and that sort of happened, but they haven't bought the results. Uh, and the properties that seniors are looking for now, 500,000 ounces plus in, in good jurisdictions, don't really exist because nobody's been exploring. Uh, 15 years ago, you had Detour, Canadian Malarctic, Pretium. Now you've got five or six shovel-ready projects in that range and, and nothing's being built. So eventually, when the, the producers' cupboards run bare, and when that is uh, is, is anybody's guess, they're, they're going to be in the market and are going to need to buy. Uh, so bottom line, uh, at, at PDAC this year, expecting the seller's market in the, the Gold Junior space. Excellent. Thank you, Ian.
1: And thank you, everyone, for sharing your insights. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And we hope to see you at PDAC.
0: If you enjoyed what you heard on this episode of In Focus, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen. And be sure to subscribe to our other podcasts as well, such as The Global Insight, our fortnightly panel discussion exploring the impact of the most pressing issues on global business. All of our podcasts are available wherever you listen. Just search Control Risks. You can follow all of our analysis and find out how we are helping businesses build organizations that are secure, compliant, and resilient by visiting controlrisks.com.